All right. So the 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 final segment of our and the main the main segment. This is the entree. This is the one that that uh, we've been working on for quite some time. And uh, and Alessandro, I know, has put has put a lot of thought into this. Yeah, a lot, a lot of thought into this. You've been thinking about this since like since the Yankees got eliminated. <laughs> yeah. uh, this, is, this is your mind went straight. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and also, again, I apologize. I called you, and I was very drunk that night. Yeah. Uh, you you shouldn't you shouldn't start you shouldn't start your nights like chasers are not meant to be vodka, and so uh, you know starting the night pre gaming with vodka. Uh, I am not. There was a like, lot of bloviating going on that call. I'm sure. I I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, yeah. No. I I was trying to be helpful, but I don't think I came across as helpful. I was watching the game at a bar, like a, yeah, an outdoor it was, uh, bar. It was rubbing salt into a wound. All right, Fuck. was it really? Because I was yeah. maybe, maybe like I. So I, when I get drunk, I tend to get like forced Whitaker eye. Like I sort of like squint my my left eye, <laughs> and I everything I say sounds aggressive. You couldn't see the eye squint, but maybe I was just sounding no, like no, no, I was no, no, rubbing no. it you in. Didn't sound aggressive. You sound like a douchebag. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> oh, okay. It's okay. Look, this team is good. They'll bounce back. I know it hurts. I know it hurts. But they'll and bounce like, back. This is the that's last what you said. That's exactly right what you sounded like. That's so funny. I was I thought I was helping, so that's good. All right. Well, you know, the the intention was there. Because I listen, I, I I was uh you know the the yeah, the, the intention was there. But anyway, so you have been you've been thinking about this for a while now. And uh you you are going to talk about now with the Yankees uh, what went wrong and and what comes next for the franchise. So, uh, you know, why, this is, yeah, why don't you just go ahead and start? When your team loses for the third straight year, it's pretty painful, and, and you automatically want to be reactionary. And that's why I think it's a good thing that we didn't record the podcast right away because some of my takes might have been a little bit different on – I think a lot of the Yankees failed. Well, first of all, the, the the season was a roller coaster. It was up and down. They lost, you know, fifteen out of twenty games, then they won ten games in a row. Then they finished out the season two and eight. Um, so the whole year, with and also with the injuries with Severino, with Canely, uh, Canely being an underrated injury, um, you know, it, it was looking grim from the start, especially when Severino went down for Tommy John. But anyway. Um, I think undoubtedly the Yankees had have you know I think the second most talented team in baseball. I think the Dodgers had the most talented team in baseball. Talented, you know, I'm not saying best. Talent um, wise on paper, which I know I'm always going against. And looking at it now, now that we're three weeks removed or whatever it's been, I don't think the Yankees would have won the World Series. In the moment, you're looking for every possible reason that they could win the World Series. I think there there was a possibility of them doing it, but I think, you know, if you were to run it back, you know, nine times out of ten, I think they wouldn't have been able to beat the Dodgers. I think they could have reached the World Series easily. I don't think that they would have been able to beat the Dodgers, especially because they had a lack of starting pitching, and their bullpen already in the ALDS was gassed. I mean, there was reasons for that, which I'll get into right now. That's the thing, too, is because the Yankees were also one of the teams that were bullpenning. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I'm going to get into that right now. So, um, you look at the first game, the Yankees go out, they're dominant off the bat. Game two, uh, and also Cole pitched, you know, Cole pitched, uh, Cole really elevated his game in the playoffs. 
But then you go and you look at game two, and I think the Yankees got too smart for their own good. So they tried, and I heard Michael Kay say this, and I think it's a good analogy. Michael Kay, the voice of the Yankees. <clears throat> um, the Yankees tried to be the smartest guy in the room when the guy in the corner was Albert Einstein sipping a daiquiri. The Rays have this down. You know, this is embedded in the philosophy of their organization. That's why they have a, pay, a payroll that was like a quarter of the size of the Yankees. Um, so again, I think they got too smart for their own good. The, the, the computers spit out a projection that said, go with Garcia and Hap as your, you know, your, your bulk pitchers for the first four to five innings. Kind of what you were talking about before with a strategy that teams should implement. And I agree that it's probably a good idea. But I think that those pitchers have to work in sync with one another, and that has to be their specific role. Um, and what you did is you took a rookie, a young kid, and you put him in a, a very important game in the playoffs, which I actually kind of agree with. Garcia, I think, has the stuff, and I think he has the mental capability, as much of a risk as it would have been. Um, I think he has a, you know, the capability to, to handle that situation, regardless of the fact that he's 21 years old, which is even young for a rookie in baseball standards. Um, but with Hat, you took a creature of habit out of his comfort zone. And Heim Bloom has this quote, um, and Heim Bloom, a, a general manager, obviously, that goes by the numbers. And he has a quote, and I'm paraphrasing, but basically what it says is, once you have a pitcher who goes against what the numbers tell you, you've created a liability, and therefore the numbers are now in jeopardy. Something else can go wrong because there's that intangible that's thrown in there. Um, and Jay Happ was not comfortable coming in um, in a second or third inning. He thought that you know he just wasn't willing to do that. And I guess it's incumbent upon Aaron Boone to try and convince him and, you know, maybe he didn't do a good enough job, but we don't know that. We don't know. Aaron, Aaron Boone could have gone tooth and nail trying to get him to buy into the idea. We don't know that. That's something that happened behind closed doors. Um, so, at the end of the day, have some major league baseball player, and he should be willing to do whatever it takes for his team, yeah. regardless yeah. of what he thinks I was going to say, A.J. Happ, or, or uh, J.A. Happ is not in a position to be dictating what he should and shouldn't exactly. do or can so, obviously it didn't go well, and the Yankees hit the bed, and they exhausted their bullpen in that game. And then it's funny, actually, because the, the Yankees, after J-Hap, the, the Yankees' bullpen actually did do well. Um, but the Yankees' offense, well, they scored five runs, but they weren't able to generate enough runs um, to, to come back. So, there was that. And then game five, um, you know... Garrett Cole was rolling. He pitched a great game. He struck out the side in the second. He went one, two, three in the third, two Ks. And then in the fourth inning, he gets G-Man Choi to ground out. And then after that, Yandy Diaz hit what should have been a routine ground out to Glaber Torres. But Glaber makes an error. And Yandy Diaz gets on base. And then Cole eventually gets out of the inning. But to get out of the inning, he had to throw an additional 20 pitches. Yeah, um, that, was, that was an unfortunate turn of events. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. the Yankees had to go to their bullpen, and also Cole was not available uh, yeah. sooner. So. Yeah, so because his pitch count went up, like you just said, they had to bring in, um, they had to bring in Britain in the six, and then 
you know, he gets two outs, he goes into the second, and then, you know, so Chad Green, normally you go to Chad Green that in that situation. Chad Green had a rocky uh, regular season, but he was lights out in the two-game series against the Indians and thus far in the series against the Rays. He was pitching really well, but you had just exhausted him uh, throughout pretty much what's, I think he pitched in almost every game in the series. I could be wrong, but... He pitched in Game 4, that's why he pitched really well in Game 4, um, and so did Jordan Montgomery, which fans should be excited about. Um, so because of that, you have to go to Britain. You're going to your high-leverage uh, high relievers. But then you take Britain out with two outs in the seventh, and now you're asking Chapman to come in yes, to get nine I, I was going to say Chapman, I think, was sort of the X factor in this series. Yeah. So Because he was know, gassed the, the final game when he gave up the... He, he was gassed. He wasn't necessarily was, gassed, but you, you you were asking him to get more outs than I'm pretty sure he's ever gotten. And if oh, not, I think he, I, been, Alessandro, yeah. I think he was gassed. I think he was gassed that game. He might have been. Final game, but, the telltale signs were all there. I think he was yeah, gassed. The, dip in velo, under, under 100, throwing breaking balls several times in a row, missing the zone. Well, that's no, that's exactly, the thing. He wasn't. He that's was hitting exactly what he looked like he against wasn't, Cleveland. That's the thing. That's not what happened, though. He was throwing like when what happened with the at bat with Brasso, he was hitting a hundred, hundred and one on every single fast. No, that's that Brasso I, I was watching. Off. That's not true. He Bras- he yes, was hitting a hundred. Bras- he was hitting a hundred, but he was also dipping below a hundred, which is with his fastball, which is his, one of the, the the telltale signs. He did no, throw a hundred. He hit a hundred one. He also was hitting fastballs in a row to Brasso, and Brasso fouled off. I think like nine of them, or no, he fouled off almost all. Yeah, he fouled off almost all of them. Um. So the idea would be, okay, go to my slider, but you're not going to go to your slider. You know, I don't know if this was going on in, in Chapman's mind, but you flash back to 2019, you go to your slider, and that's the pitch that Altuve hit, regardless if you knew it was coming or not, to send the Astros to the World Series. Chapman also has developed a splitter, which is actually pretty. It's a pretty fire pitch. Um, so now he's, he's a three-pitch pitcher now. So you could have gone to either your split or you could go to your slider, both pitches were very effective throughout the entire season and in the postseason. Chapman did not have a bad year at all. Chapman had a good year. But I think what we're talking about here is a pitcher who is clearly a great pitcher, but not necessarily a great closer in the biggest moments. And again, talking about baseball karma, he threw 101 miles per hour at Brousseau's head, almost killed him, and then... Brasso was pitch hit for to come in and hits the go-ahead home run in the eighth inning that just took the the, the and then and the Yankees lose that game two to one. So that's what happened. Um, you know, the Yankees were depleted, not really an excuse. They could have weathered the storm. I don't think they had enough starting pitching really to get themselves all the way through a full series against the Dodgers. I think they could have been, I think if they played the Rays. You know, a hundred times it would have this. It would have gone back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I think those teams were pretty evenly matched in that you know given season. That in twenty twenty, I think both teams were evenly matched. Um, I think they would have beaten the Astros and gone to the Dodgers, and I think they would have gotten beaten pretty handily by the Dodgers. I think by the time they had gotten to the World Series, they would have been uh, pretty much a wrap. So well, also like the you know by by the time that you know like. It is interesting when you watch that when I was watching that series, right? Because it, it always seemed like specifically in the Yankee series, I don't think that the Rays bullpen was t- really tired yet. 
I think that that game specifically yeah. no, could have gone on out. for like yeah. six more innings and the Rays would have been fine and the Yankees would have been screwed. Uh, well, by game five, the Rays bullpen was a bit exhausted, but you're right. The Rays I, I think the Rays were, were better prepared were to much better equipped in that yeah, situation. They were. Yeah. Because um, of game two, so, especially though. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I think that the, that, you know, the Rays were just a better fit. You're right to go against, especially in a seem like a, a, a year like this where there was no days off, yeah, but also just that's another thing. because against mention, yeah. the Dodgers. Yeah. And, yeah. and I mean, you might want to get into that because that didn't that impact the Yankees, plans in the in the in the the trade deadline not it did I, I mean well the thing is is that that decision was made after the trade deadline so it wasn't like the they they told teams before the trade deadline that they were going to do that 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 was a decision that was made post trade deadline which i think frustrated the yankees front office we could have known that we were going to be having days off in the postseason um, that, that it totally changes the way that you change your strategy. But I'm not going to sit here and complain and whine. It is what it is. The, the 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 Yankees lost. The Rays were better equipped to go further in a postseason and be more efficient. I don't think they would have beaten the Dodgers regardless because the Dodgers are much ta- more talented team than the Rays are. Um, but I think the Rays were were better suited to to be durable throughout the playoffs than the Yankees were because the Yankees they they're. The Thomas came, the Tommy Canley injury really threw a wrench into things with the bullpen, and the Severino injury set them back immensely. So, uh, regardless, we got we have to move on, you know, because there are glaring issues and things that the Yankees are going to have to decide on, you know, moving forward. So, what comes next? Um, the first thing that I think the Yankees need to focus on is shortstop. A little frustrating. Because the player that you've been planning on building your franchise around, which is Gleyber Torres, and Gleyber Torres is a great player, um, and even with making the move to shortstop, his offense didn't take too much of a dip in comparison to other players whose offense took a dip because of the lack of spring training, etc. He did not play a good shortstop at all. Uh, his glove was really bad, and I'm not sure if it's something that the Yankees can afford to and we talked about this with Andujar. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't on Andujar levels, but he wasn't good. Um, I don't think the Yankees can afford to you know groom him into becoming a better shortstop. You know, the window is be, is not it's not beginning to close, but the end is in sight for that window. If you really want to you know have a core dynasty of players and win multiple championships, which is what the Yankees want to do. Brian Cashman said we don't want to win a championship; we want to win championships. So, what do they do about that? Um, DJ LeMahieu is a free agent. I think Yankee fans are going to burn down Yankee Stadium if they do not re-sign DJ LeMahieu. So there's that. Um, there's going to be a lot. If the Yankees don't sign DJ LeMahieu, there's going to be a lot of fans who are going to come for Brian Cashman's head, which I think is stupid, but it's what's going to happen. <clears throat> but DJ is not going to fix your problems at shortstop. In fact. It's going to kind of throw a wrench into that because DJ can play multiple positions. He doesn't really play shortstop. Um, so if you bring back DJ, you're going to have him either playing second base or first first base because third base is taken up by Urshela. If you play second base and you're running it back with Glaber, you're taking a risk, and he's probably going to see a dip in offensive production because that's what happens to shortstops. Very few shortstops are these offensive juggernauts. 
um, just like catchers, right? Uh, and there's the anomalies, of course. So there's a couple there's a couple thoughts of what they could do. One, you have Luke Voigt. So I think regardless, let me preface this by saying there's going to be a heartbreak this year. Regardless, yeah. it's not going to be a crippling heartbreak at all. The Yankees are gonna it's going to be a necessary heartbreak. Um. We already saw one with Brett Gardner that was necessary, obviously. And I think all fans know that. And the Yankees might still bring him back. They might. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. I was going to say they might. To be a fourth outfielder. But Clint Frazier is the starting left fielder now moving forward. Um, Luke Voigt, who I love and who is a controllable player, might become the piece that the Yankees move in order to keep the production, the offensive production of DJ LeMahieu. DJ LeMahieu is probably the best hitter in baseball. So, or best all-around hitter in baseball. So if you trade Luke Voigt, it depends what you want to trade him for. A lot of fans are thinking, oh, well, we should get Francisco Lindor. We need a shortstop. Go get Francisco Lindor. He's making $19.5 million this year. It's signed into an extension. There you go. Hold on. Francisco Lindor is a great player. If the Yankees get him, it would be an insanity. But can the Yankees really afford to extend Lindor to a mega deal? No. They're not gonna and they're not gonna trade Luke Voigt to acquire a one-year rental to go after one championship. Not gonna happen. Luke Voigt is a controllable player. The Yankees can't really be signing Lindor to a mega deal when they have to sign Aaron Judge in the future. They have to sign Glaber Torres in the future. They have to decide what they're going to do with Gary Sanchez in the future. They have to decide what they're going to do with Luis Severino in the future. I can go on and on and on. The Yankees have a boatload of talent, controllable talent. And they've also got, I mean, this is obvious to Yankee fans, but they've also got, you know, it's, it's right now it, it's it's around $65 million committed to, to Stanton and Cole. But in the, in the future, uh, Stanton exercised his his uh contract the stanton contract is going to be 36 million per year uh or no excuse me the coal the coal contract is 36 million per year uh but the stanton contract starting in 2023 becomes 32 million so Hmm. those two together are already 68 million and then of course you've got hicks for 10 for about 10 million uh You know, until until twenty twenty five. Well, really, he's got a buyout in twenty twenty six or twenty twenty five. So you almost have a hundred million or ninety million between three players before yeah. you make any moves at all. Well, so, I think there is a I think there's a dark horse in this, and uh, it's a former Yankee who fans love. And I'm not saying the Yankees are going to go out and do this. And actually, he came out and said that he doesn't think the Yankees are going to sign him because he believes that G, uh, that G, or sorry, what am I saying? That um, Labor Torres is the future shortstop of the New York Yankees. But he's also a humble man. His name is Didi. It could prove to be a, a nice substitute if you don't bring back DJ LeMayhew. Um, because obviously, D, uh, Didi had a really good year last year. Um, Gregoris. Oh, you're, so do you think that the Yankees? This is this is interesting. So you're saying that the Yankees should consider Didi? Yeah, absolutely. As a, you have as, to. as their shortstop. That that's interesting. That is because well, this guy take. took over for Derek Jeter. He had the hardest job in baseball. He had to take over for one of the greatest players who ever lived. One of the greatest Yankees that, who ever top that's an top interesting six, one. Top six greatest Yankees who ever lived. 
and ended up becoming one of the best shortstops in Yankee history in that short period of time that he was there. Um, and the offense that he put up as a shortstop was remarkable, honestly. Um, now, again, it might mean losing out on DJ LeMahieu, which would be a hindrance. Or you could trade Voight, re-sign DJ, re-sign D- bring back Didi, um, and trade Voight for an asset, maybe like starting pitching um, or another area in which, because you can, you, you're going to get back value for Voight. I haven't really looked into who they can they can trade him for yet because I, there's well, so the many is, though, there's so many other things that need to, that the Yankees I, need I was to getting, do. Like, the only thing is though, like Voight is so contract controlled or, or cost controlled rather that like if you're the Yankees, you know payroll flexibility might be their biggest, uh, you know foe, so to speak. Yeah, in all this. but you know what? At the end of the day, at the end of the day, they have so to if win. You're gonna they trade one in, 11, one in eleven years. They have to put the I, best I understand, team but, out but you're possible. still you're still gonna need to fill other areas presumably right assuming on any given year there will be injuries there will be people who get hurt there will be people who leave via free agency uh you know i just think that you want to keep as many cost controlled players as you can now if you think i know i agree i do i I agree with you i don't know what they're gonna do i'm just laying out the different options of what they i agree no i'm just saying that i think any move they make in terms of if you feel like Luke Voigt, which I actually may feel this way maybe the next few years, if you think that, and I'm not even just talking about Luke Voigt, if you think that any of your players are uh, have already had their best year, maybe you do think about moving them for, for, for a cost control piece. I don't know. I'm, I'm just interjecting. I mean, if you there, can get back, and again, I haven't done the work on it because there's so many other things that like the Yankees need to do. But if you could I know you will, though. for a starting pitcher... Will. Yeah, <laughs> if you can move him I, I for a starting pitcher, a valuable starting pitcher. Yeah, I mean, if you if if you can move Boyd for a valuable starting pitcher, I mean, what do you? I mean, and then you can re-sign DJ to a two to three year deal, right? Preferably two, two to three year deal. You can bring back Didi for maybe a one or two year deal, so we can continue to produce and then maybe go elsewhere afterwards, or I don't know. Right? And, uh, I think, and again, I know a lot of people. A lot of people like you know shy away from this, um, and it's not a popular take. And I know you're gonna have something to say about it, um, and it's gonna sound arrogant, <laughs> but there is a aspect of Yankees, and there is a history of Yankees taking team friendly deals in order to put the best team out possible. Oh, and also like, yeah. on top of that, I, and I'm not saying that they that they're going to take this massive pay cut hit, just maybe a couple of million dollars less in order for their other people to get paid. That's what Tom Brady used to do, always do on the Patriots, why the Patriots were so good, different it sport. It does happen. With, yeah, um, it does happen. But LeBron James the same way. But if you sign DJ LeMahieu to a two- or three-year deal, he then becomes a free agent when an Aaron Judge or a Gio Urshela or a Clint Frazier, Luke Boyd become free, um, become free agents. So if you are able to win with free agents plus your players who are arbitration arbitration eligible and controllable, then you're not tying a ton of money. You know, the Yankees can't be hindered by Stanton's contract. They can't be hindered by Cole's contract. They have to understand the players that they have that are controllable now, and they have to understand when they're going to become free agents, negotiate their contracts in accordance to the 
according to the contracts that they're going to sign the free agents because they have to bring in free agents in order to help them win the World Series. And they're not going to be able to do that if they are, I'm not going to say fiscally responsible, but if they are fiscally restrained. I don't know if that's a, even a term, but if they are, if they are held back by the yeah. amount, you know, they're, if they're held back by the amount that they're going to spend, if they can lock up deals in terms according to the way that their controllable players' contracts work out, you have to do it. If you had to go above the threshold two, three years in a row, and then three years in a row, the threshold, the I mean, the three years in a row going over the threshold is a fifty percent tax, though. So I just I can't imagine like you can like the Dodgers show us you can do everything right and it takes a while to get the formula right and so if I'm the Yankees I it just seems to me like spending over the threshold is a very dangerous game to play it's something that may even hinder them even more like I know that the Steinbrenners have money but to me that just seems like it's going to you know, cut off your nose to spite your face. Like, I I don't know. I just... Well, they got to make signings. So they're going to go over the threshold this year regardless. I, listen, I trust few so teams the way I trust the Yankees to make the right call in free agency. Very few yeah. teams. Even, I think the Yankees do it even better than the Dodgers. Right? Like, yeah. like in terms of free agency, the, the moves that the, the, the Yankees make, A.J. Pollock was not a great, great signing for the Dodgers. The Yankees rarely get it wrong. I trust them, but... I'm sorry. Just keep if they keep oh, going shit. to free agency as a way to plug holes. Hold on, hold on. That is no longer. It's not a sustainable strategy, in my opinion. But I don't know what they're going to do. But yeah, continue. Um. All right. Obviously, catcher is the next thing. Um, and I'm not going to spend too much time on catching because I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Gary Sanchez had a horrible, horrible year. The Yankees think that he's better than what his 147 average is. Basically, they think that he hit into bad luck. Um, hope so. I watched pretty much every single one of his at bats this year, and I think at most he's a two. He's a one seventy hitter. Not he's. It's not like he's a two fifty hitter, and that he and he accidentally batted one forty seven. That guy was late on fastballs, something that was a red flag for Greg Bird and for most um, major league baseball players when they start to decline. Greg Bird was late on fastballs. Greg Bird was a player who the Yankees thought could go to the Hall of Fame one day. That's what the scouts said. Obviously, that it's not the way that it panned out. Um, but one of the, te- the telling signs of Greg Bird uh, starting to fall off a cliff was the fact that he couldn't hit a fastball. He was late on the fastball, and that's a, that's a bad sign. So Gary was miserable. And not only that, he was miserable behind the plate, too. And we've been over this already in previous episodes about his catching stance, et cetera. We're not going to get into it. I don't want to get into it. It didn't work. He framed pitches better. But he was terrible behind the plate, missed balls, wild pitches, striking out all the fucking time. It was horrible to watch. And I love Gary Sanchez. And the Yankees love Gary Sanchez. But I think they fell out of love with him this season. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do moving forward. They have Anthony Siegler. They have some other catchers coming up in their system. Austin Wells, I believe. Um, So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Higashioka played well. Um kind of a guy who just really only hits home runs not really a great offensive player uh but does deliver with you know he is able to hit the ball out of the park um but he's a good catcher he's 30 years old so the Yankees obviously aren't going to do anything right now and I think it's also uh silly for them to poo-poo Sanchez right now because he he might be a piece that they end up trading in the middle of the season um but I think maybe they should go out and get a third catcher uh, you said like Robinson Chirinos or somebody like that. Uh, yes, yes. Robinson Chirinos, I think, 
makes a lot of sense. The Mets declined uh, his his option, so he is a free agent. Um, it was a one million dollar buyout or one point five, whatever. Uh, I think that Robinson Torinos is he's one year removed from four straight years of fifteen or more home runs. Uh, you know, he did really well in um, hitter hitters parks, but I think that he you know he mashes he mashes lefties. Uh, he's not so great against righties. I think uh, Sanchez is pretty, you know, if you can get him to back, you know, back to where he is, you know, relatively normally, they can, you know, make a make a good tandem. You know, I know that he's like 36, but I mean, he's again only like a year removed from, uh, you know, a really really good season, and he'd be a terrific hedge against uh, against Sanchez in my opinion. So. Yeah. You know, if I'm, yeah, I think that you guys could get him probably cheaply, like, you know, three, three, four million, maybe. And I, I, think, I think that would do it. I think obviously they, they should do it for insurance, but I think that if they do, if they do make that move and they do go out, it doesn't have to be a Torino. So if they go out and they get a third catcher, uh, a serviceable, like you said, third catcher, a good third catcher, might be a little bit of a telling sign uh, in terms of what they might want to do with Sanchez. I think they're going to allow Sanchez next year to try to try and redeem himself, but this is, you know, almost three seasons now where uh, his, his offensive numbers have dipped. So a little bit worrying. Uh, they're not going to make a move right now in the immediate, but it is an issue that they're going to have to deal with moving forward. Um, so just keep an eye out, out on catching. And then obviously starting pitching. So the Yankees went out, they got Cole. That obviously didn't, um, uh, you know, didn't get the job done. And the Yankees kind of came out and said that next year's, you know, they're really going to, double down on their young arms in the in the starting rotation so look out for that what they're basically what they're alluding to is that they're gonna have Garcia be Debbie Garcia be um a starting a starting pitcher you know he's gonna probably be the third or fourth guy uh Severino when he gets back obviously he's gonna be in the rotation as the number two pitcher um but then and then then they're gonna have Montgomery uh and then some form of a bullpen I think as a number five starter but there is you know they have room to to add. And there's a lot of, I think, affordable starting pitchers that are good, solid pitchers on the market. So some of the uh, the free agent pitchers are uh, obviously Trevor Bauer, um, Charlie Morton, Corey Kluber, Tanaka, Pax, Stroman, uh, Mike Miner, Robbie Ray, Liam Hendricks, uh, not Liam Hendricks, what am I saying? Oda Rizzi. Um, I think Charlie Morton... The reason why Charlie Morton signed, first of all, the, the the Tampa Bay Rays declined his $15 million option, right? So once a team declines that option, it's in the best interest of other teams. Someone just texted me. Hold on. Let me just make sure it's not mine. Okay. Um, turn my phone back up. When teams decline a player's option, it's in the best interest of other teams to kind of negotiate underneath whatever that price is. So for Charlie Morton, it was $15 million. So if they can. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, that's just – so I, I kind of don't agree with that premise. Like, yes, maybe you. Well, want I don't. It. I don't think it's right, but I think that's what. That's no, what's no. But I think economically I, I feasible think for teams. The the Rays didn't, I think, extend Charlie Morton fifteen million because they just don't do that. I don't think that really indicates any. That's a good point. Know, his value. Good point. Yeah, I, I mean, because we just know the Rays don't do that. But yeah, continue. Well, I do also My, think minor you point. know a lot of a lot of teams have lost a lot of money. Um, this year, the Yankees losing claim that they have lost. They claim this. We don't know this, but they, the Yankees claim that they've lost the most money out of all the all the teams. Well, um, they, I mean, really, what they're trying to say is that they didn't gain that much money. They didn't. I don't exactly. think any team actually. So yeah, lost trust me, money. you don't have to tell me that. But yeah, you're right. 
You're right. Um, but anyway, I think if you can bring in Morton, maybe for a, a one or two year deal on the cheap, obviously that would do wonders to add to the starting rotation. I think the Yankees can get Tanaka back. I don't think Tanaka's going to get a lot of offers because he's kind of that UCL tear waiting to happen. And because yeah, of that, that because that is but scary. because of that, it's scary. But you know what? The guy has pitched really well, and he's had that injury forever. So I just if I'm the Yankees, I'm walking away just because like you've gotten so much out of him. He hasn't had surgery yet. Like I think the Yankees will realize in the coming years how lucky they got. Um, yes, I agree. But you yeah. know what? They they spent a lot of money on Tanaka, and I think the Yankees can really get him on the cheap now. And if you can, and there's not a lot of other interest from other teams, I think you, you just pull the plug. I mean, the guy's a solid – not pull the plug on him, pull the plug on bringing him back for a team-friendly deal uh, instead of, rather than a player-friendly deal. Because uh, And that's, again, you know, if other teams haven't offered him more money uh, because he's a solid pitcher. And then, you know, if he goes down for injury, you can weather the storm because you're not spending a ridiculous amount of money on him. Um, you know, he was making like $22 million. Uh, and he's not going to be anywhere near that. So I think that you can bring – I think if you were to able to sign a Charlie Morton – or not a Charlie Morton. I think if you were able to sign Charlie Morton, success. Off-season success instantly. Um, again, Charlie Morton signed with the – um, Tampa Bay Rays because he didn't really want to travel far from home and the Yankees have obviously as everybody knows they have their entire training facility in Tampa Bay so that helps um, also grew up well, a Yankee the, uh, always I was going to say too like uh, I think a relatively good comp for for just the profile of Morton would be Rich Hill uh, a couple of years Ooh. ago like because they're just similar right like Rich yeah, Hill no, was right. this guy whose career kind of really started late he was sort of a uh, journeyman, not great, you know, back end of the rotation reliever. Uh, then he was transformed, but he's older now. So he is really good, but he's older. So like 2016, the Dodgers gave Rich Hill a, a three or $48 million contract and he was 36. So, uh, or no, excuse. Oh, wow. No, 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 no. He was, he was heading to his age 37 season. I would say that well, yeah, it's the same age know, as Morton's going to be. Uh, next yeah, yeah. So even though I will say that, I mean, well, Rich Hill, those seasons was was unbelievable. Uh, you know, this is kind of not really on the track, but I mean, he he he's a guy that throws two pitches. He's just unreal. But um, Morton is around that same age, so I think if Morton, you know, wants to play beyond twenty twenty one, you might have to give him multiple years. And I think that that price range, you know, around $48 million per year, I mean, excuse me, around, around 48, you know, uh, around that, the, the average, uh, the average value. 48 million for two years? No, 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 no. I'm saying it, it ends up being around like 16 million. I don't think, I don't think he's going to get 16 million on the market. I don't think it's going to happen. I, I think he will. I really do. No. I, he's just, he's, he's really he's good. He's a 37 year old pitcher, and this economy has been dog The economy shit on might, the economy might be the, the, the trend. And like honestly, this might here, be the saving grace for the Yankees. And I, I wrote this down in my notes. I didn't bring it up. But the saving grace for the Yankees might be, you know, do you remember two years ago? I'm pretty sure it was two seasons ago. Um, I think it was the off season heading into 2019 where spring training was started was starting 
And there was a bunch of players that weren't signed and ended up signing like really shitty deals lower than yep. lower than what their value was. Yeah. Um that's Marietta, that's a trend Keiko. that's trend that's a trend that's gonna continue. Um, especially in the in the COVID years. So that might but play that, the, the thing though. Was I'm not gonna like, speculate because that's just not what we should do. But although I will say it's though, a possibility. Like that, that year I think was we all sort of expected that trend to continue. Uh, but it it it, uh, it didn't really continue continue as much. Um, well, you know, we're not. That's really just because the following players. off season, Mookie Betts got signed. So we we yes. we, we don't think of it yes. that way, and there wasn't really that many free agents going into the COVID year. So it wasn't. That's the thing. thing. I just you know, I do think that that year free agents specifically like had a lot of be. yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't I don't I don't expect this year to be Teams, like a huge free agency, but you're right in the sense of the trend of sort of like the top players being paid and then like look, the every you know, team has the, to deal the with middle the gets tax, kind of right? screwed. Every team has to deal with the luxury tax, right? So in order to adapt to that, teams are and it's not collusion, it's just you know, because they're not it's not like they're conspiring to do this. It's just what what I think is going to eventually happen is that you know because of that players are going to suffer financially. It's not they're not going to suffer financially. They're not going to be starving. They're going to still be making millions and millions of dollars. But you might not see Mookie Betts type money um, unless it really is you know you know you might not see because you remember wasn't it that same year even Machado Machado and Harper were both like signed late and and Machado ended up signing for three hundred million for 10 years but was a, was looking for like a close to like a 350 contract and didn't get it um harper the same thing so those are two stars studs um obviously mookie betts is one of the best players i think the game has ever seen but um something to keep in mind now real quick because we're getting towards the end of the pod um if the yankees don't bring in you already know where i'm about to go if the yankees don't bring in Charlie Morton. They don't bring in Tanaka. I'm not saying this is going to happen, but we're going to have some fun and we're going to lay out some possibilities. Okay? All right, let's hear it. Trevor Bauer is a free agent. Trevor Bauer does not want to sign a multi-year deal, except he's, although his agent has said that he's open to the idea. Yeah, I think he's a. I I, I think he very well could. Yeah. If he was super wed to it, he would tell his agent to to you know just to I negotiate he what might, he wants. I think he might be more down to do a two to three year deal than he would be down to do a five or six year deal. I uh may, yeah I guess yeah. we could maybe yes. yeah maybe yeah. You I think you can draw that conclusion from the fact that he was only wanting to to do what are you what are you doing? I was uh, I didn't know you could hear me. I was eating these. Yes. Mu- I got these chips. So I might as okay. well put them back, because if you're going to hear me yes, crunching, please do. We're going to be done in eight minutes. All right, he's putting the chips down. Excuse me. Continue. You finished? You finished? I am finished, yes. <laughs> um, anyway, I think that... All right. I'm not trying to be uh, typical Adam Morales, my bad Adam, I love you, type of Yankee fan. It's just like, let's just sign every single player in the book, Right. Um, that's not going to happen. Leave some for the rest of us. But if the Yankees could add a Trevor Bauer at $21, $22 million a year uh, for a two- to three-year deal, obviously 
if they do that, they're not bringing back a Tanaka. Might not even bring back a DJ LeMahieu. But if they could do that, I think the Yankees will set themselves up for a run of at least two to three championships. You have now two of the top four or five best pitchers in the game. Or actually, two of the top three best pitchers in the game. Honestly, let's. Oh no, two of the top uh, four. Although, let's although down, I would though. say I love I would Trevor say Bauer, slow down on. I would say I would say slow down on Shane season. Bieber because Shane Bieber pitched against his own division the entire series, and the second that he faced somebody outside the division, he got smacked oh, around. Oh come on, come he got on. exposed. It was one game. Exposed. It was one, it was one game. game. It was one game. The first game that he pitched outside of his own division. Against any teams pitcher, that honestly were any pitcher could have a bad game. This is like but, this is like the but, playoff but are we Kershaw not over, narrative. We're getting like we're getting no 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 no. Kershaw is totally different. We're not. And I don't want to get too off track here. Just quickly making my point. We saw sixty games of this. Are we not overhyping? Shouldn't we say, oh wait, this pitcher isn't a god. He just got smacked around in a crucial playoff game against the Yankees, the first team that he faced outside of his division. Is it possible that we were overhyping him because we were looking at him and we're like, damn, he's playing really good against teams like the White Sox and who else is in the Central? And the Twins, right? You could say the same thing about Bauer then. Bauer had had a terrible competition all year. Valid point, but Bauer has had multiple years of improvement. You can look at Bauer's stuff and say, damn, this guy's improved. Well, you, immensely. You look, the, the Indians have one of the best pitcher development programs in baseball. They generate Shout out to Matt Blake. Guys. Shout out to Matt Blake. Yeah, I, I don't know. And that's I, another I thing. Matt that... Blake worked with Trevor Bauer, so that's another enticing reason for him to come there. This doesn't make sense for uh, for one particular reason, right? Is that you? you if you're going over the budget for two years in a row, you're paying 30%, and three years in a row, you're paying 50%. You're likely yep. going to sign the names that you mentioned for multi-year deals. So you also have guys going into arbitration, right? Yep. So you're probably going to have, if assuming you're staying under the budget, maybe like $30 million to play with or $40 million this year to play with before you even go over the budget. And then if you sign these two guys to, to long-term contracts, which you're going to have to do more than likely, that's already now entering next season, pre-arbitration, Entering the, uh, who, the next who, season. Who, whoa, who are you talking about locking up to a long-term contract? Well, assuming that you sign DJ and or Bauer, you're going to have to give them multiple years. My point is, is that if the Yankees want to hedge against, you know, uh, uh, Gary Sanchez, maybe they say, all right, that's not going to be a big deal. Maybe they want to add a bullpen piece. You know, maybe they want Brad to. Brad Hand, by the way, I think would be fire. Maybe. I mean, uh, you know, relievers are... I mean, yes, yeah. I, depending on the price, relievers tend to be up and down. Brad Hand is a pretty Well, the Indians example. and they pick up his $10 million option. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. All right, all right. Yes, sure. I, I don't disagree, actually. I bet, you know, that's just a minor point. But um, it's just that if the Yankees are going into next season with even $30 more million on the books uh, going into next, you know, 2022... The you know I understand that a lot of their players are are you know in like super early in their arbitration and they're and they're really not going to have to pay a ton of money till twenty twenty three, but the thing is, if they're if let's say the Yankees want to spend and they want to go twenty million or thirty million or forty million over the luxury tax this season for whatever reason, let's just for argument's sake let's just go twenty because I think they're not even gonna be able to go that i don't think there's that many players they need to sign to go that much over the luxury tax 
If you're paying now, if you're over the luxury tax for now three years in a row, you're paying 50%. So that means between this year and next year, they're probably just going to throw away, you know, 20 to 30 million in taxes. That's assuming that nobody gets hurt. That's assuming that there are no other positions to fill. So if you're just going into, you know, a 2023, they, they might be okay. But if you're just throwing this much money away to just taxes and your strategy year in, year out is plugging away via free agency, eventually you're not going to be able to do that anymore. And, and by eventually, I mean like by next year or the year after. So this is not a sustainable strategy. Um, and so but This is I why think, you're locking up. Okay. I mean, I mean, what I'm saying is this is why you're locking up players for short-term deals that coincide with your controllable players and when they enter their arbitration years slash free agency years. You have Aaron Judge who's becoming a free agent in two to three years. If you have DJ and or Trevor Bauer locked up for two to three years, then their contracts are all of a sudden off the books when you might want to extend $180 million to Aaron Judge and extend him. You know what I mean? I do I do know what you and mean. Again, and again, we, we have to think about also the money as how it pertains to the New York Yankees, right? They lost this year because they lost three amazing, like, very, very good pitchers. Two. Uh, uh, well, what, Herman and Severino, and oh, they Herman. lost... Oh, Herman, okay, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, yeah, can, I, and, yeah, and I, wasn't, that, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't... Herman would have been uh, extremely valuable this year, uh, you know, because that, that would give them insurance for Diego Garcia, uh, I think that Herman has shown flash. I think Herman was a little overhyped, but he's he's a very serviceable pitcher. I think he he's keeps you in games pitcher. most of the time. I totally. I didn't even think about Herman for uh, very well, low price. The Yankees have to shed seventy five million, ninety million in tax in order to have a team that can compete for two to three seasons. And fill fulfill the you know what they thought possible of this team. Well, that, and, I mean, and that, that's assuming you're going to win. If the Yankees go out and get Trevor Bauer for two years, and they go out and for whatever reason go fucking crazy, they're not going to do this. I'm telling you right now, this is not happening. But if they were to sign DJ and Trevor Bauer and not go to the World Series this year or win the World Series this year, there's a fucking problem. There's a huge well, then, problem, that, and you and you have this problem for two to three more years. I, I mean, that, that's going to be no. You would have that be, problem for one more year, or possibly two more seasons. Y- yes, yes. I mean, I think I think they're both going to get multiple, you know, two to three years at the very least. But uh, but, but I, I think mean, you're also smoking dust. I think you're also smoking dust if you don't think that team is going to go to the World Series and win everything. Smoking. Dust. I think it's only a matter of time. I think, like, if you look at the Dodgers, it just they. Yeah, you know, that's how it happens year. in baseball. You chip away, you chip away, you chip away. Well, it's just I think it's just odds, right? Like you put yourself there every year, and the best team doesn't always win. In fact, the best team often doesn't win the World yeah. Series or even make it to the World Series. It's about yep. putting yourself there, and the Yankees do that. It's just I think you're right. They do need another starting pitcher, but they also I mean let's just not forget they've just gotten extremely unlucky. Like in a in they a have. in a full season, I think the Yankees. Uh, are better equipped to to win the World Series, and I, it's just so difficult to win when you lose a pitcher like Severino and Herman, and then you lose a pitcher like James Paxton in the middle of the year. Uh, I mean, th- this team is just gotten this is extremely a, this unlucky. This team has been through so much. If you think about the past three seasons, they exceeded expectations. They were not expected to make the playoffs in 2017. They went to Game 7 of the ALCS and lost to an Astros team that was proved to be cheating in the worst possible way. 
Then in 2018, they got dawed by the Red Sox. 2019, they lost in a walk-off home run to Jose. So it's actually the last four seasons. They lost in a walk-off home run to Altuve, who honestly I believe was wearing a buzzer. But we don't have to get into that. And then in 2020, they're faced with this COVID-stricken season, 60 games. Um, don't make any play, – players go down. Also, also 2019, they had the next man up squad. 2020, players go down again. And then they don't make any moves at the deadline. And then after the fact, they're told, hey, by the way, we're going to be playing every single day in the postseason. That's the other thing is that they have they have not. That has been something that has bothered me so much that they don't make moves at the deadline. I know. I know. It's unbelievable. And, and I, again, we had this argument earlier in the season that the Yankees didn't do anything this year. Now, fair enough, they didn't know it was going to be a no-days-off format. I think that likely would have changed their decision-making. But you needed depth that they just didn't really have. You know, uh, I understand that J-Hap had a good year, but they clearly didn't have... I, maybe faith is not the right word, but they didn't. They just didn't let Dievi Garcia go out and do his thing. And if they weren't going to do that, that... that very, that seemed predetermined. That seemed, you know, like it wasn't. It, it was. It was pre-planned. It was definitely pre-planned. They knew yeah. they were going to do that, and they didn't. I, I'm sorry. I just think, like I said, I will say this time and time again. No, I, I agree with you. You can never have enough pitching, and if you just again, I, I know that every year the team that wins the World Series, everyone's oh well, like look at that team. Look what they do. Look what they do. And I don't, I don't, I don't always think that's correct because again, winning the World Series has a lot to do with luck. So maybe the best team isn't the team that wins isn't always the team to model after. But the Dodgers, the reason they're able to be successful is because they have young, controllable pitching. So if a guy struggles, he goes to the bullpen or he goes down to the minors, and they just bring another guy up. And it's not just the bullpen; it's starting pitching too. Well, the Yankees you know have young, Tony Gonsolin on their rise, was, which is exciting. They do, no, they do, and I'm not implying that they don't, but I'm saying five that of their the way top that ten they, prospects are, are pitchers. So that's, I agree. That's, that's right. exciting. My point is, my point is, is lean more on that. It, yeah. You don't necessarily. Well, that's what they said they were going to do. Trevor Bauer. That's a, that. That's, that's is that point. is what they said they were going to do, though. At, at you know, uh, I think a week ago. They said that next year fans should expect for their rotation to be filled up mostly of their young arms. I, so, don't, I just don't. I just don't. I think Trevor Bauer is like overqualified. Listen, I I was I I was I was mostly having fun, which is why I said I'm mostly having fun before I made the statement. Um, but but I wouldn't be so. I, I it wouldn't shock me if the Yankees said, you know what, we should just go out and get another filthy pitcher and just focus our free agent money on acquiring that player and then just run it back with the same squad next year. Um, Let me ask you a question. I I just want to be super brief about this. Yeah, yeah, we'll wrap up. I just want to name a couple pitchers because I know the Mets and Yankees need pitching. What if the Yankees were to acquire a starting pitcher via trade? Like, why does it need to be free That's what I said. I said, said, if if they do, I, I, I would be... I think that that is what the Yankees are going to do. I obviously just didn't do my homework because there was so much to get into well, in terms know, of who they fine. could trade for. But well, I, I do think what the Yankees are I probably meant- going to do is re-sign DJ and trade Luke Voigt. Um, but yeah, do it. Let, let, let's be quick, though, because I want to wrap up in like three minutes. Well, okay, just because the Mets have different trade chips, so that you know, just keep that in mind. But Jamison Tyon is an, is an option. I think that I, I wonder if... You know, let's just let's not forget this is a this is somebody who was, you know, a first round pick, super good his first year, 
first or his first two years, he just he gets injured. And as we've seen with players on the Pirates specifically, that organization is so backwards. I think that the Yankees, even though they're not known as like this organization that can unlock pitchers, but you know, pitchers go to the Yankees and they do well. The Yankees are up to date with a lot of the you know the best pitching uh, player development strategies. I think if you take Jamison Tyon and you put him on the Yankees uh, and you, you know, he's inexpensive. He's, he's not, uh, he's under control for a few more seasons. I think that he is definitely worth a gamble. Would you give up, you know, top prospects for Jamison Tyon? The last in the Yankees is another player. The last in the Yankees is another injury prone player, but, but top prospects. No. Prospects, yes. I'm not trading Luke Voigt. Must be out of your fucking mind if you think that. Uh, yeah, you must be out of your mind. Out, I'm, I'm not even entertaining that. Luke Voigt, home run king of 2020. MLB proven for a Pirates pitcher who's been injured and has been up and down for the past three or four years. No. Well, he hasn't really been up and down. He's actually only had one injury. Okay, whatever. No, okay, I'm not trading Luke Voigt for that. I would, I would, I would trade a package of prospects, perhaps, or maybe something else that the Pirates would give top, back. Top I'm not ten trading... prospect, top seven prospect. Uh, it depends Esteban on what else Florio. is coming back on the deal. Jesus, I don't know. I would have to, I had to go and look at his numbers. But we don't really have time for that now because we're all right. Fair enough. I'll just throw another. I'll throw another few names out there. John Gray. Oh, uh, perhaps, perhaps he's a guy that also gets hurt by. Uh, yeah, we gotta stay away like, from the injury-prone players. I mean, uh, that, yeah, at the end John of the day, Happ is. I mean, uh, not John Happ. John Gray is not really injury-prone. I would say he's not. He's not a. Uh, and also, let's just keep in mind that a lot of pitchers are injury-prone. It's very well, hard. At to the pitch end of the day, way. at the end of the day, I think the most likely move the Yankees. I think the most likely thing the Yankees are gonna do is I think they're gonna trade Luke Voigt uh, for a starting pitcher. Who that is, I'm not sure. But I, Herman I think, Marquez. I think it would be a more like a Herman Marquez. Um, rather than uh, a lower tier, pit. Are they, if they if they're training Luke Voigt, you have to get back somebody of substance who you know um, can give you six strong innings. You're trading Luke Voigt for a, a number three solid pitcher, a Tanaka type, um, who you know is going to be solid. You cannot trade a controllable future All Star potential, um, possibly future MVP. Uh, and, and and I mean, you never know what's going to happen in Luke Voigt, but you just you have to judge him on, on the way he's been playing for the Yankees over the past two seasons, which has been out of his fucking mind. Um, you can't do that for a player that's going – that does not meet the same value on the field, if that makes any sense. Um, you have to get back immense value for Luke Voigt. If you have to throw in other, other prospects in that deal, sure. But I would only trade Luke Voigt for a starting pitcher. Yeah, like that's fair. Good, I mean, serviceable, I, it's going to be difficult solid, to find that. Big game. Exactly. It's going to be difficult. The well, I, do I do work. know that Cleveland needs a starting first baseman. They've got some guys well, like hey. Jake Cave and Jake Bowers. Hey. They need a starting – they need a – they've got pitching. I know they would they never do this. Baseman. I was thinking about this in the shower today. I know they would never do this. The Yankees put together a little package. Get me Zach Plezak. I mean, listen. The you know they've got they've got Mackenzie Gore, they've got Plesac, they've got a lot of guys in that in the in if the, the Yankees uh, can put together system. a package. I was thinking I was who who was I thinking about before? I was saying Luke Voigt, 
Michael King, and then I was another player in my mind um, for Zach. Please, Zach. I think that would work. I think the Indian. I think the Indians might buy that, especially with I what happened. I think the happened. Indians and the Yankees. I think th- if you just look at the yeah, I, I, I think they're more you, inclined to trade him based on what happened with the COVID I situation. I think the this Indians year. can get better this year and get cheaper if you trade the Yankees someone like a Zach Plesac for Luke Voigt, right? Or or if they're trying to, would you take a uh, Carlos Carrasco or or Shane Bieber? Maybe not. There, I don't think they're dealing Shane Bieber, but would you I take a it. Carlos Carrasco with somebody else? Yes, with somebody else. Okay, because I was gonna say prospects you know, if they. If they if they want to shed salary, the Indians would be wise to perhaps trade Carlos Carrasco, maybe a couple. Uh, Do they really you know, need to? Another starting pitcher to Do they the need Yankees. To shed salary? I feel like they have so many young, controllable players. I haven't looked at their salaries, but they have young, controllable players. But they also have guys like Carlos Carrasco, who is under contract. Please, I, know, I don't how necessarily. Many have, you know how many how many under big money contract guys do they have? Well, no. The, the thing is, though, so the thing is, no, no, no. So the thing is that the big money contracts are not really in the pitching staff, except for Carrasco, and he's probably like one of the least appealing of their pitchers. But they're they like I was going to say that they could get a young, really, really good uh, player in um, Luke Voigt if they shed one of their starting pitchers, which they have an abundance of. And they can get better and cheaper if they trade Francisco Lindor to the Mets, who's, by the way, Fran- Francisco Lindor is making $20 million if they trade him to the Mets for Ahmed Rosario and J.D. Davis because they need a DH or an outfielder as well. So I think they can they can shed a bunch of money, and they can just get super good offensively because this was a team that was very good defensively, very good in the pitching with the pitchers, the pitching staff, and... Very, very weak and mild with the offense. I think if you... Although I will say the Yankees kind of fucked Carrasco up in the playoffs, so... Well, uh, he's a... I mean, listen, he's a good... I, I, I will say that Carrasco of, you know, the police acts of Ali, Bieber... Yeah, he's, uh, the, he's, the, he's the least... He's probably valuable. the least... Uh, he's the least appealing, but... I mean, in 2020, Carrasco had a 291 ERA. You know? All right. Let's oh, wrap up. Yeah. Yes. So, anyway, just uh, I guess to to finish your thoughts, um, you know, what do you think is what do you think the Yankees are going to do? Like, like really, like you know, no more thought experiments. Like, what do you think they're gonna do? Um, and and what what do you think they should do? And um, you know, are are you worried? Really? I mean, that's I'm not worried. No, I'm not worried. If you asked me three weeks ago, I was worried. Uh, but I'm not because I've my my mind has been able to clear, right? Um, the Yankees are still one of the most talented teams, if not top two most talented teams in baseball. Um, you know they have a lot of pieces they can move. What I what I think they will do, I think they're gonna. I what I think they will do slash what I think they should do. Those are two different questions. What I think they should do is I think they should acquire a free agent. I would rather them do that via free agency. No, in what um, area? Like, what, I, what position, though? Like, do, does it not matter? Or, like, or you're just saying, like... No, no, no. I said I would rather them the acquire a starting pitcher via free agency. Oh, starting pitcher. Um, okay, okay. Um, I, think if they, I think what they should do... <clears throat> what I think they should do is I think they should lock up Charlie Morton, if they can, and one other solid starting pitcher. I would prefer it to be Tanaka. Um... I think they should re-sign DJ LeMahieu, um, 
this is where it gets difficult, obviously, which is what we were talking about, is, you know, do you run it back and put Glaber back again at shortstop? Um, if they really do have, if they really don't believe in Glaber's, you know, because obviously we look at Glaber's season and we go, Jesus Christ, he was terrible. But there's a lot of things that played into it. He wasn't um, terrible, but defensively he He, he had nine errors in 60 games. It's not good. He had nine errors. In a short True, yeah, I mean that's just more. I think that's more of a range thing. Exactly. Like, that well, is part of being well, a, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, but then he also got, has I a, think a pivotal error hands. in game in an elimination game. You know that that set the Yankees back. But anyway, regardless, um, I wouldn't be surprised if they ran it back. If they don't, um, I think they'll end up training Luke Voigt for starting pitcher. Uh, but that would mean that they wouldn't sign. Um, maybe they sign a Charlie Morton, then trade Voigt for another starting pitcher. Um, in which case, I think they will then bring in a shortstop. The best available shortstop on the market right now is Didi Gregorius, and they can probably get him on the cheap. So that's an option. Um, I think they're going to stick with Gary Sanchez. Their outfield is set the way that it is. Uh, I think really all you really need is one more big game pitcher for that rotation. I think Charlie Morton's that guy. Um, but again, you know, they can they could trade Boyd and bring in another arm. So we'll see what happens. You know what you know why you know you know why I'm kind of like on the fence so much? My heart's gonna um, be shattered. Shattered yeah, if they I know trade Boyd. Yeah. Shattered. Well, I you so, know I love Boyd. I love Boyd. Yeah. He's dope. So He's but he's honestly my favorite Yankee. But it's gonna be really, really. This is a cool is dude. Really painful, and I'm not <laughs> ready for it. But listen, you still so, have Frazier. You know, you still have. I know, Glaber. no, no, of course, of course. But we again, and they might not even trade him. Um, but I think the writing might be on the wall. For you guys that. are gonna and bounce also back next year. Because he had such a good season, he had such a good season. He had he's in the running. He's in the top three running for MVP. So. I also just it's I I have a hard time sort of processing. Um, my point is is like I just I have a hard time understanding. You know, we the Yankees have sort of been accused of being this like the most three true outcomes team over the last several years. Now I would argue that the Rays are the most three true outcomes team, and the Dodgers are up there. But DJ really balanced out this team. Yeah, and I know that the back. Yankees were probably the I mean, it may be the second best, but definitely the top third, the top three best teams offensively in baseball. Do you think that specifically if it if it was just a home run hitter like who hit like 50 home runs or 40 home runs and batted like 260 with like 190 strikeouts or something like that'd be different. But DJ is one of the most unique players in baseball. Do you think the absence of DJ would make a huge impact on this offense like because I know that sounds like, like ridiculous, given that I just said that this is one of the best teams in baseball offensively. You'd assume from that statement that they could afford to lose a player, a virtually any good hitter. But do you think DJ, like losing DJ kind of beyond the numbers, like changes the identity of this lineup in a way that they can't afford to lose? Um, yeah. If they lose DJ... This is why so many fans. It's it's hard for fans to imagine how productive this team can be when they see their hitters striking out so much. Obviously, the Yankees are really patient and they work pitch counts up. They get on base a lot, but there's so many times, time and time and time again, 
where the Yankees don't get that that guy on base by any means necessary. That's what DJ does. That's why he's batting. That's why he's a batting champ. Um, you know, he's one of the. He's an old school hitter, pure hitter. Can hit the all sides of the field. So if they don't, if they it, it changes the identity. I mean, people could say when they lost Didi, that changed an identity. They lost a little bit of their joy when they traded Didi, or when they when they lost him in free agency. But they just chose they didn't lose him. They chose not to bring him back. But I think DJ's a um is a is a must with the resign. So either they're gonna either they're gonna resign DJ, stick him at first, trade Voight, or they're not gonna resign DJ. And if they don't re-sign DJ, then they're going to get Gregorius. Um, because they're going to have to. Because otherwise, Yankee fans are going to be up in arms. And I think the only thing that would that would subdue that is by bringing back Didi, who, the Yankee, who Yankee fans love and miss tremendously. All Yankee fans do. Every single Yankee fan loves and misses Didi. So the only way to subdue that anger is if you were to bring back Didi, who is not nearly the same hitter that... Uh, DJ LeMahieu is, but he is a really good hitter and has had time and time and time again the clutches at bats over the past uh, the, over the three years that the Yankees were competitive in his five year uh, span with them. So yeah, they got to bring back DJ. In long story short, they got to resign DJ. Okay, cool. All right, so I think that uh, that that just about wraps it up. Anything else you want to add? Nope, that's pretty much it. Everything else I'll say for the next episode. Okay, and just quickly, I just want to add, uh, I'll make this 30 seconds. Uh, the White Sox signed or, oh. or ma- made their manager, right. Tony La Russa, send waves around baseball. Uh, super weird that this was, like, rushed <laughs> by Jerry Reinsdorf, like, as if there was some line oh, out Jerry. the door for Tony La Russa. Um, it's, I think this is just relevant to the discussion we were having earlier with the Dodgers and the Rays yeah. bullpenning and... First of all, you're not arguing with Tony Larusa if he wants you out of the game. You're out of the game, uh, so that's one thing. The other thing with Tony Larusa is that he's 76, and so fans are just going nuts because they don't think that he can reach players. But I would argue that haven't you ever had like an older teacher or an older relative, maybe like a grandfather or grandmother, reach you in in some way? Like it's not like old people are incapable of, you know. Uh, talking you know or what? communicating i mean that's ridiculous um and I'll also say, i would just say that i yeah. he's he says he's on board with analytics and he's always sort of been like a funky manager you know he's always been the guy that puts the the pitcher eighth bats the pitcher eighth and he's you know been accused of being too wonky and now now that he's like you know now that everyone's going crazy for sabermetrics and analytics now he's not wonky enough so can't win but anyway what are you gonna I, say I, I understand why why people are like absolutely outraged i 100 percent get it all i'll say is one he's one of the probably top three top four greatest managers to ever live two he won a world series less than a decade ago so let's pump the brakes a little bit the guy is a great manager he won a world series less than a decade ago which means that his team was definitely using some form of analytics the guy isn't Probably. a total dinosaur, all right? And, again, it's Tony fucking Larusa, all right? And he has I mean, the movies. Look at, look at what he's done with his talent with talented teams. They were talented. I'd be very I scared if they I were, were other very teams talented teams in the American League. But my uh, point is, like, people were saying that, that, you know, because this is such a young team, like, he's he's kind of 
he's actually you know uh on board first of all like with black lives matter so a lot of the young team like people were worried that tim anderson who has also been super uh vocal about things like that and just vocal in general um and i think treated a little bit differently by the media just because he is a black male in america and that is you know the media tends to lean a bit uh you know ignorant and so people thought that you know because larusa a couple years ago came out against standing for the flag and yeah but he's you know, also changed that stance he's changed i would say that for him to to change his tune in a thoughtful way with a thoughtful response shows that he is malleable and is capable of changing and you know a lot of older people at least in my life uh they you know the older they get they kind of take comfort in norms and for him to be able to change shows me that i think he'll he'll uh, do better than a lot of people think it'll be interesting to say the least Yes, and you know, I, but I don't think it'll be a total meltdown. And listen, it could always be worse because the next day or the day, or a couple days later, the Tigers signed AJ Hinch as their manager. So, uh, also, just it. final thought: it's weird. It's so weird how people are just over this. How people are just okay with AJ Hinch now? Why are people not more angry you know, with AJ I saw, Hinch? I saw them. I saw them being okay about it on MLB Network. I think they're all shills. I think they. Should be disgusted with themselves. Do you remember how arrogant he was with the media? I'm not talking about it. All right, I'm literally. It's unbelievable. He he had a one year punishment and then gets rewarded with a job. These writers who are being like, "Oh, he served his punishment." It was a 60 game suspension. That's what it was. He got a 60 game suspension. That's and, less and it games was, okay. than Robinson could, Cano got when he got fucking caught taking steroids in 2012. Or whatever year it was. He got a 60-game suspension. He was not banned like people, for one year. He was banned people treat for him like 60 this, this games. Sympathetic honestly, figure. Him He's not. And Jeff he lied Lunau, to the media. Him and Jeff Lunau and Alex Cora should never be allowed back into the game of baseball. Woo! Why? Not because of what they did. Not because of what they did, but because of how arrogant they were about it and how they lied to the media about it, coupling with the fact that what they did was the worst cheating scandal out of any other cheating scandal in the history of the game. More so than the White Sox scandal, more so than steroids. They did the most egregious thing ever, ever in the history of baseball. They had a cheating mechanism that the other team could not defend against shame on them shame on the baseball writers for being so soft and shame on mlb for allowing them back in the game they are a stain a stain a stain on the game of baseball shameful no he did not serve a full suspension he got a 60 game suspension robinson cano got a fatter suspension for taking steroids in 2012 or 2013 or whatever the fuck it was Shame, 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 shame. Yes. All right, it's All over. Right. I can't talk about yes. AJ Hinch anymore. Wrap this shit up. Let's go. We're on. All right. Well, thank We're you closing for tuning in. Closing on 140 in. minutes here. <laughs> All right. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, next week, we're going to go in-depth in the Mets. I am going to talk about the outfield options that they that make the most sense, how they're going to deal with their payroll flexibility, what Sandy Alderson is going to do with the team moving forward yeah. to fill their position. So, yep. Yep. That's, that's any, as good as anywhere to close. Um, if you haven't They're already check out our ahead. medium page, if you haven't already check out our uh, social media, 
Um, we next week I think should be our last episode until you know for a while, just because the off season's you know starting. But but you know we're gonna take a little break, um, and you know we're gonna talk about improving in a lot of ways. So if you have any you know things that you'd like to see, and you have uh, you know gotten this far in the episode. You know, let us know, and maybe we'll consider implementing it. You know, if there's any, if there's any uh, thing you'd like to see. So, uh, yep, this has been the Loaded Bases podcast. I'm Nick Wilson, uh, as always, joined by Alessandro, and uh, yeah, have a good week. Have a good rest of your week.